And please be seated. Please turn with me in your Bibles once more to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. This evening, we're going to be looking at verse number 18 of this chapter. Verse number 18 of 1 Peter chapter 3. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Amen. This evening we're going to look at this verse under the following heading, Christ suffered for us. Christ suffered for us. This letter of Peter, this first letter of Peter, deals largely with suffering. It's a major issue that is being dealt with in Peter's letter. This takes place during the spread of the early church. And with that spread, it goes into new lands. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses, uh, chapter 1 verse 1, it talks about Pontius. Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, and other regions, modern-day Turkey. This is not the part of the world where the gospel had flourished before. Before, mainly true religion was confined to one area. And now it's spreading through the Spirit of Almighty God. After the resurrection of Christ. And it's going to areas. Where this had not happened before. It's now going further. God's people are now scattered you could say. Into various different regions and places. And with all that comes suffering. Great suffering for the people of almighty God. To go into a place that doesn't understand the gospel. That doesn't, can't wrap its mind around what is taking place in their midst. It's all very strange to these people. And so when they come to a people that don't understand them, they face persecution. Now we think of persecution, don't we? We typically think of beatings. We, we, we think of torture and other things like that. But Peter largely deals with other types of sufferings. Being evil spoken of. Being reviled. Having their character attacked. Christians often openly suffer not for what they actually believe. But for what people claim they believe. That's often what happens in the, in the life of the Christian church. It's what people falsely claim. And with this, there's great trial and temptation. And when you read through the, this epistle, Peter's writing to people in various different areas. There's much suffering taking place. And there's great trial and temptation to cast off authority. 
And we even saw it when we read earlier. Uh, wives and husbands and all these different relationships where people suffer. And we'd be tempted to throw it aside. Peter puts these trials and sufferings of God's people in their proper place. And he shows it with this in mind. Whatever suffering you have gone through, whatever suffering I have gone through, Christ has suffered far more. And he is the greatest example of someone who has borne sufferings we cannot really fully imagine. And also the fact that the sufferings that they were going through in that day and the sufferings we go through today have a holy purpose. They're not for no reason. Any of the things you have suffered, any of the things that they were suffering in that day, they had a reason. They had a purpose. Jesus suffered for a reason and for a purpose. Why? Talks about it in our text. To bring us to God. So we would continue to serve God and not set aside this authority given by God. Peter gives us here in this verse an example, the best example that anyone could ever give. Someone who suffered, even though he was innocent. You see, friends, we will suffer in this world, but we're not innocent, are we? You and I, we're not innocent people. But Jesus was purely innocent, without blemish. He was reviled and cruelly treated. And who was he? The one we are to remember when we come to God in prayer. He's the one that we are to look to every Sabbath day. He is the one we are to look to in our devotions every single day. He suffered, yet without sin. And as we look at this text here this evening, friend, can I ask you, do you know him? To follow in the footsteps of the one who suffered is also to follow in the footsteps of suffering. None of us would wish for suffering. None of us would wish to bring suffering upon ourselves. But to follow in the footsteps of Christ is to follow in the footsteps of the one who suffered. And that brings our own suffering. So let us look at this text under this first heading. The penalty the penalty it says for Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh being put to death in the flesh why this suffering leading unto death why Why does death exist at all? It may seem like a strange question. But why does death exist? Why is death there? Has it not always been there? Not at all. We may even start to believe that death is completely natural. Death is common. Suffering is common in this fallen world. But it does not mean that it is natural. Around this time of year, we 
rightly remember those men who died in the two world wars. There we saw death on a grand scale, such a grand scale, we shudder at the thought of forgetting what they gave their lives for. Communities of entire battalions wiped out or killed or injured in service to their country. And when we see the horror of such death, when it happens on such a scale, how do we feel? When we turn on our televisions and we see what's happening in Ukraine, turn on our televisions, we see what's happening in the Middle East, we feel sad, don't we? We don't wish to see this because we know that this is not natural. Death is a cruel enemy. It's common, but it is not natural. So where did death come from? Was it brought in in creation? Not at all. Galatians, or sorry, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 31. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It was very good. It did not come in a creation. God made Eden perfect. A place of no suffering. A place of plenty. A place of abundance. No suffering there. No sin there also. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. It says this. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is God speaking. Thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof. Thou shalt surely die. So man is given this paradise. This paradise. With one Command to keep. Really, this is the commandment of Almighty God. Did they listen? Death comes in as a penalty for breaking the law of God. For the wages of sin is death. That's what sin brings in. Death for those who break the law of Almighty God. See, this is where it comes from. We have to realize when we get frustrated at the suffering in our lives, we can become disillusioned, discouraged, even angry with God, but realize where sin has, or where suffering has come from. Sin. In the presence of God, there is blessing and joy, but in departure from Him, there is misery. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15.22, For in Adam all die. In Adam all die. Adam represented all of mankind and this brought in this suffering. Man has brought in this death. Now, we may think, well, why is this here? Why is this penalty here? Can God just not set aside this penalty of death that hangs over our heads like a sword. What if you went to a judge? The law has been broken. And you see that the judge sets aside 
of the law. What would you think of the judge? That would be a corrupt judge, not a good judge. A good judge enforces the law. The law, the penalty, cannot be set aside. You see, a human judge, we see it sometimes in our news, makes bad decisions, depending on whether he's in a bad mood or good mood or whatever the case may be. Human judges are subject to change. God is not. God is not. So that's the penalty, number one. Number two, now, the payment. The payment. Returning to our text, it speaks of the payment. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. Christ hath also once suffered for sins sins and it also says in this text be put to death in the flesh why the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God there's a reason for this suffering of Jesus Christ <coughs> so for us to have life someone else had to take the penalty someone else had to pay this debt owed by us the payment for eternal death is what Someone had to pay that death. Someone had to die in our place. Someone had to take an infinite, eternal death. We see, if we look through the Old Testament, you'll see various payments being made in the ceremonial law. Money is sometimes given. What if you go into debt? You have spent too much money on your credit card. Perhaps you've borrowed too much. And you have no hope of being able to pay it back. You've borrowed too much. There, you could work for the rest of your life and you can never earn that money back. What do you do? Do you look within yourself? Or do you look to someone with abundant riches who can satisfy that debt in your place? You go to the one, don't you, with abundant riches. A one who's willing and able and, and it pleases him to do so. What payment is required here for our souls that we would be set free from the death penalty that hangs over us because of our nature? In Adam, death. This is why Christ came. He came into this world to die. He came into this world to suffer and to die. Now, there's one sense in which if someone was saying, I want to pay it myself. This is a debt I wish to pay myself. Well, dear friend, if you wish to pay this debt yourself, it is an infinite debt. Of infinite duration. You see the reason why hell is forever. Is because of the one we sin against. Even if it was just one sin. And I'm not just saying you've sinned once in your life. You've sinned against the one of infinite value. Infinite worth. And that's why it is so serious. Sin. All sin is serious. We can never pay it back. 
But we have another who has paid it in our place because of what he is worth. The one of infinite value. See, the the option before the sinner is this. The option before you here this evening is this. Did Christ pay for your sin on that cross? Or will you pay for it for all eternity? And this this is the stark reality of people all around us who walk around have no idea that they're on the way to hell. They suppress that truth. They, they hold it in unrighteousness. They fight against that truth revealed from creation. Your suffering for your sin will never be enough. And that is why hell is forever. But do you have someone Worth, worthy of this payment. This is what we need. This is why we need Jesus Christ. This is why it says in our verse, which speaks of suffering. When Peter is telling them, in the midst of your suffering, the one of infinite value suffered for you. The just for the unjust. In your place, he took that Payment. And the wonderful thing about it is, once it has been paid, can you add anything to that? Can your works add any single thing to it? Nothing. To add anything in payment to what Christ has done is to really tarnish it. Think about it. You may be here this evening, you may be carrying your own guilt from your past life, But your works, even after your conversion, cannot in any way add to what has already been done. What we need to do is accept it by faith, realizing nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. So now we're going to look at the person. The person, number three. In verse number 18, he is the just. It says in our verse, for Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. And who is the just one? Who can claim that title because of his perfect life? Who can claim that title because of who he is in and of his own self? That is only the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we've dealt with the penalty and the payment, but sometimes we treat Jesus as if he's a means to an end, rather than the end itself. You see, the great reward in salvation is we have Jesus. We have him. Not just a way of not going to hell, not just a way of having our sin washed away yes we can have that but we can have Jesus himself and this Jesus this substitute this one who stands in our room and in our stead he had to be sinless and all you can see it all the way throughout the Old Testament the lambs the animals slain they had to be without blemish why is appointed toward the lamb that was slain, that would be slain. It speaks about the lamb that cometh to take away the sin of the world. That lamb that John the Baptist would point towards and prepare the way for him. 
the lamb that would keep the law perfectly. Jesus is the truth, the way and the life. He is everything. He is true God. And that's why his, he had to be true God. Because otherwise, the death of a mere man in your play would not pay for all the sins of all his people. Why is, why is his death worth far more than any of ours? Because he is the son of God. He is God. But he also had to be true man. God cannot suffer. In him, there is no shadow of turning. You see, we cannot, mere man in his rebellion against God, cannot hurt the infinite God. But Jesus did suffer because he's also true man. True man. One person. This is not two people I speak of here. This is one person. But also he is true God and true man. He took this penalty, this cruel death, facing the wrath of his father. Let's turn to Psalm number 22. Psalm number 22 in verse 1. And Jesus cries out from the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is quoting from this. In Psalm number 22 and verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What agony he must have gone through. This, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, Endured torment. You see, again, he enjoyed a perfect relationship, loving relationship between the Father and the Son from all eternity. And for that moment, for that time upon the cross, he felt the fury of Almighty God. What he suffered for us. And yet, without sin, without sin. Innocent, holy, perfectly loving his father in every moment, in every second, all the time. The just for the unjust. Do you see that substitute? Imagine if you saw that in the news. A just person condemned in place of wicked people. Friends, we're the wicked people. We're the unjust. We're the ones who have found forgiveness because of what Jesus did. What this, the Lord Jesus Christ did, what he did. This just and perfect righteousness. How can we have it? How can we have Jesus? By faith alone. By faith alone. Do we ever take this reality for granted? We either... Like, like the apostles in the first century, limit the power and the majesty and the infinite greatness 
of Jesus. You can see it in the first century when they're, they're amazed that Jesus can control the winds and the waves when he's in the boat. Because they haven't wrapped their minds around that he is true God. They've limited his power. They almost treat him as if he's a mere man. And friends, we can do that so often ourselves. We can talk about Jesus and think about Jesus as if he's only a mere man. But not the infinite God revealed in scripture. This is the one who suffered. This is the one who died. This is the one who suffered the just for the unjust. And we by nature are unjust. We by nature are guilty. Deserving of death and hell. But think of the love of God. Think of what. See sometimes we wonder maybe in, our, in certain periods of darkness in our soul. When we go through valleys of our Christian walk. We wonder does God really care about us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ. What more does he need to demonstrate toward you? His great love toward you. And you think I've suffered. Yes, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've suffered greatly. But he has suffered far more for you. For you. How many of your friends would be willing to die for you? How many of your friends would be willing to take your punishment for you. We can't think of any. Jesus is the greatest, closest, most loving friend we could ever have. He died for you. What is keeping you from him? The devil wants us to believe that God doesn't God doesn't care about you, believer. Romans 8, 32. Let's turn to Romans 8 and 32. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see... You see what's been said here by Paul. He that spared not his own son. He didn't spare his own son. What more will he give you? God has sent his son for you. Sometimes in relationships we may not. You know a certain relationship may suffer in your your life. Because you wonder. Well does the other person value me. Or whatever the case may be. But how much more does he need to give. To demonstrate to you his love toward you. He gave his son. He gave his son to suffer. Verse 38 and verse 39 of this same chapter. Verse 38 and verse 39 of Romans chapter 8. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I know there are times when you'll feel like that. I guarantee you that we all go through it. 
but there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And the more we live on this earth, the more we have to be in amazement that he would die for us and he would give us all this. And we don't deserve it. Of course we don't. But we have it. We have him. Jesus Christ. Our fourth point this evening is this. The privilege. The privilege. Something has been done for us in our place. Why has he done it? It says in our text, again in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, that he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. To bring us from one place to another place. To bring us from one status, condemnation, to another status, justification. To bring us from a point of wrath, to bring us through a point of delight in the presence of Almighty God, that He might bring us to God. Our sin is hated by God. Remember, our God cannot change. He will not change. He does not need to change. He is goodness and righteous and merciful. He is most loving, most true. And if He did change in any way, shape, or form, He would no longer be that. But the great privilege the Christian has. Yes, he has Jesus, but he's been brought into a point of being brought to God. You, the believer in Jesus Christ, have been brought to God. The throne of God. You see, we faced enmity, hostility, division. And that hostility goes back 6,000 years to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Between two seeds spoken of. The seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And when the fall came in. The fall of Adam. There was a division between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And there was a prophecy that the seed of the woman, that is Christ, would crush the head of the serpent. That enmity done away. In defeat of the enemy. And the final enemy, death, will be destroyed at the end of time. He brings us to God. Reconciliation. I don't know if you've ever fallen out with one of your friends. Hopefully you have never, but I'm sure you possibly have at some point in your life. If you have brothers or sisters, I'm sure... There's been times when you need reconciliation between you and that loved one. And you might need someone to come between the two of you to bring you together. And what will often be the case is two sides, two people are offended. One person's offended because of what somebody said. And the other person's offended by what somebody else said. But the thing about this is, God is rightly and justly for offended. Most often when we're offended, 
with our sisters and brothers, we're not rightly offended. When we're offended by God as, about God as sinners, we're wrong. God is offended. He's just holy and right to be so. There needs to be reconciliation. Someone who come in that place. Jesus is true God and true man. He takes our sin. So our sin is no longer a problem. So he can bring us to God. And then he clothes us. Wraps us in his righteousness. So that no longer is the broken law against you. The curse no longer is hanging over your head in Jesus Christ. Justice is not set aside. Justice is satisfied in Jesus. And so that the reconciliation is not a setting aside of justice. Justice is satisfied in him. So that we can come to God. So that we can come to God as those just by faith of Jesus Christ. That's the great privilege that we have. And that's why we can pray to God this evening. That's why we can pray to, through the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we can come to the Father. Otherwise our prayers will not be heard. Sinners need someone to stand in the place. Someone to represent us. Someone who is sinless, holy and undefiled. Someone who is man. And God. To bring us to him. That's a great privilege that we have. And finally number five. The provision. The provision. So we've looked at the penalty. The payment. The person of Christ. The privilege of being brought to God. And then finally number five. The provision. The provision. Jesus died but by the Spirit, He lives. It says in our text in verse number 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened, that's made alive, by the Spirit. How does this life become ours? Well, we just say, well, I believe. Well, friend, a person in Adam is dead. How can you have this life? How can you have this freedom? How can you be some of those who are no longer dead in trespasses and sins? As Paul wrote to the Ephesians. How can you be that? See, by nature, we will run away from this truth. By nature, we will fight against it with every fiber of our being. Dead in sin. How can a dead person come and partake of this life? And I want to point out to you this, friend. The answer is not in you. The answer is not in a decision or something you have done in the past. The answer is outside of you. That's what Martin Luther discovered. No matter what he did, it was never going to be enough. 
He was tormented. And then he saw the just shall live by faith. The Spirit gives life. If you are looking to Jesus this evening, and I pray that you are, it's the Spirit that has given you life. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That same Spirit that brought victory. That same Spirit that brought the resurrection. That same Spirit that showed that here is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, victorious over His enemies. This Spirit is the same Spirit that has given you life. It's the only way you have life. It's the only way you'll have any life. Have you looked by faith to Jesus and to Him alone? The Spirit has given you life. And the evidence of that life is you looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, salvation is of the Lord. And the more we study it, the more we see it's not me that makes the difference. It's God. In everything. Beginning, middle, and end. So, if you are in Christ this evening, you can't lose it. If you're in Christ, if you're looking to Him. He has set you free, raised you to life. And this is wonderful because it says, For Christ also once suffered for sins. This is completely and finally finished. Friends, look at what He did for us. Do you feel discouraged? And when you go through all the things you suffer in this world, it's easy to feel discouraged. You might even be going, thinking to yourself, well, this happened, this happened, what's coming next? There can be points in your life when it feels like there's like domino effect. But look at what Christ did for you. And when you put it in perspective, you're going to see a number of things that Jesus suffered Far more than you're suffering right now. Jesus suffered the just for the unjust. He suffered for you. He didn't suffer for his own sins. He did it freely, graciously, lovingly. And you see, when Peter brings this up, he brings this up to encourage them. He brings this up so that they will be stirred up to be willing to suffer. None of us want to suffer, do we? Something wrong with us if we say, I would like to suffer. No. Even Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. None of us want to suffer, but are you willing to suffer? You see the difference? We want to follow Christ. And in being a follower of Christ, you are willing Follow in the footsteps of the one who suffered for you. And he's not even, what he's asking for us to do is partake of his suffering. Not even to suffer to the same degree. We can't. We can't. But let us find encouragement 
The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You, say, I, I, I don't, I, you might feel overwhelmed. There may be times in your life you feel so overwhelmed. And you almost want to quit whatever you're doing. The same spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Is the same spirit that is dwelling within you. Now ask yourself this question, can you endure whatever you're going through today? Yes, you can. Not by your own power, but by Christ's and that spirit that enables you this evening. We look to him by faith alone, with no confidence in ourselves, with every reason to be thankful for what Christ has suffered for us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray now and I'll ask Simon if he'd lead us in prayer.